So, the title of the sermon today is about God's church, and I want to look at what we would expect to see through his church. What I'd also like us to look at is what this term means for us in the world, explore the purposes of God's church, and why it's so important to him and us. So what is God's church? Well, if you just put the word church into any internet search, you will get a definition like, a church is a building used for Christian religious activities, particularly for worship services. However, the biblical context goes much further than this, and it means something a lot more. So Bible Info defines it as not a building, but the people who comprise it. While Dictionary.com defined it as the whole body of Christian believers Christendom and Wikipedia denotes it as Christian church refers to the universal company of believers it means every person who has ever accepted or ever will accept the Christian faith it does not refer to a particular Christian denomination but to the body of all believers in the Bible the word church appears 120 times in the New King James Version Bible And that is within 17 of the 27 New Testament books. 23 of these references are in 1 Corinthians, 22 in Acts, and 20 in Revelations. Church has been described in the Bible as the people of God or the people of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the temple of God where his presence dwells, the bride of Christ, and the body of Christ. So first we'll go through what is the God is first we'll go through what the church is not and then what God's church is. His church is not a building, a meeting, a denomination, a voluntary organization, or a group of people. Church is not the service, and it's not about the individual or the teams within it. God's church goes beyond nations, races, cultures, denominations, gender, ages, and every other grouping that we may try to put church into. His church should not be defined by a demographic or a culture. She needs to reach all kinds of people, generations, and cultures. Now, there'll be times in my preach that I'll be referring to God's church as she. I'll explain later, but I'm just letting you know, when I say she, I'm talking about the church, yeah? Individualism is the enemy of God's church. What do I get out of it, not what can I bring to the church? Jesus should be the focus as he builds his church. The emphasis is on Christ and not on us. Charles Spurgeon, I love this man's writing. That very church within the world likes best is sure to be that which God abhors. I know abhors is a big word. Abhors means he doesn't like it. He's got a dislike for it. So if the church is like the world, God doesn't like it. Let's be clear on that, yeah? What God's church should be. God's church is the body of Christ. She belongs to him, redeemed by his blood. She only exists through him, is holy and unified, with no division or competition through the cross. She is a living entity that develops and grows. She is filled with his life and structured to benefit all those who are a part of it, each having a role to play according to his will. 
Matthew 16 verse 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's church will always prevail, no matter the circumstances, or the persecution it will face. Jesus said even hell will not stop his church. History shows no matter what, God's church survives and gets bigger and stronger. The bride is still appearing, is still preparing for the arrival of her groom. Just a warning as well. God's church fights, you know? A lot of people have the perception that all of God's people are pacifists. We don't want violence, we don't like violence, but we will stand. Don't, don't play the fool with the church when you're up against God. And everyone who goes up against God loses. So if you go against God, then you're going to lose. Yeah? Yes. Yes. Amen. Acts 2 verse 47. Praising God and having favour of all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's Jesus who calls people to it, and he keeps his church, and we are going to be eternal. The church will be eternal. Don't think when you leave this mortal plane, it stops. You're still the church when you pass on to God. We'll still be the church when the new heaven comes into place. We are church forever. What would we expect to see in his church? Well, Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So you'll see these sorts of things happening in a church. These are means of grace or sacraments. Baptism, breaking of bread, exhibiting the gifts of the spirit, giving, prayers, preaching the word and worship. I believe God's church should be a community of willing hearts, ready to serve the Lord, to hear his word and to do as he commands. The church should glorify Jesus and be filled with him through his Holy Spirit, which is continually conforming us to his image. She should consist of true believers, not those who say they are Christians on a form, but have no interest in God or fellowship. A believer is Christ. A believer in Christ is one who sees his salvation, accepts his salvation, and walks in his salvation. Can you see that from the back? Good. This is what God's church should be like. That we are completely interwoven. Firstly in Jesus, and then the Trinity, and then with one another. We strengthen one another as we interweave with one another. Now if you look at the weave, it's really tight in. When you look at weave, when you break down weave, it's like interlocked. It does that. So it's stronger. Well, if you only had one thread, you can snap that. Or it frays, or it comes apart. But if you're interwoven, completely interwoven, and then interwoven the other way, you're less likely to fall away. You're less likely to break. That's us. That's what church should be like. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. But I urge you, believers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in full agreement in what you say, and that there be no divisions or fractions among you, but that you be perfectly united in your way of thinking and in your judgment about matters of the faith. 
and Ephesians 3 verse 6. It is this, that the Gentiles are now joint ears with the Jews and members of the same body and joint partakers sharing in the same divine promise in Christ Jesus through their faith in the good news of salvation. The church should reflect unity and is an ordered, structured organism, a living being. The New Testament stresses the unity of Jews and Gentiles in one body reflecting the overall church. (coughs) We serve a God who intricately weaved us into creation. He ensures that in every moment, everything works together in this world for his purposes. Church, we also need to be structured, allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us within his parameters. It is when we stray outside these parameters that issues occur and the church does not function as it could. Church is to be united, not divided. It should avoid schisms, and that's the sin against the unity of the church. Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. We are warned against personal schisms, individualism. When we run away from his church, we run away from Jesus. Another caveat and warning I would say, sometimes the greatest enemy of the church is the church. Sadly. Sadly. Church history shows it's the people within the church that have caused the most issues, not the people outside of the church. Church, I pray you're not one of these sort of people. I pray you're conforming and letting the Holy Spirit move you into what he's calling you into. Ephesians 2 from verse 14. For he himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jew and Gentiles, into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us. By abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law with its commandments, contained in ordinances or sacraments, which he satisfied, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. And that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentiles, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting to death the hostility. And he came and preached the good news of peace to you, Gentiles, who were far away, and peace to those Jews who were near. For it is through him that we both have a direct way of approaching one spirit to the Father. The cross is the basis of true unity. We are saved to be unified in him. His church will put its full faith and resources in his will and his purposes. The church is a place of fellowship, a place where we can be honest, open and vulnerable to one another. Not to be judged or condemned, but to be restored, equipped and made whole by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 from verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, 
and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and all Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not at hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an, were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which our most presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. God's church wants to fellowship regularly and joyfully. I'm really good that we had a really good session of worship this morning. Yeah. Not that we don't have one every morning, but it, was, it opened up the door, I pray, for God to really move. When God's church comes together, it should be exuberant, full of life, because we know we have been saved by God. Yeah. Yeah. We rejoice not in God, sorry, we rejoice not only in God, but also in one another. Because we are rejoicing that our brothers and sisters have the same thing. We all have God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we want to shout about it, we want to sing about it, we can want to dance about it. We want to show the world how good God is, and that's natural. Let me just put a plug in for the International Day on the 9th of June, where you can have the opportunity to do all three of those things. Fellowship is not meeting and greeting people on a Sunday morning. Sorry, church, if you thought that was it, it's not. It is mean, it's meant to be so much more deeper and richer than that. A quote from the U Version Bible Plan, 21 Days in the Gospel of John. Christianity is not a spectator sport. God's church exhibits God's gifts of ministry. The pastor preached about talents a few weeks ago. And God has put into all of us a purpose and the tools to fulfill that purpose. Fellowship and the encouragement of believers allows us to start working in those gifts. Just another thing to say. If you're a prophet or you're an evangelist, you've got to build your skills somewhere. 
you don't straight away go out there and like get a pulpit or one of those, um, you don't see them anymore, those milk cartons. It's a good thing because it stops all them preachers. But <laughs> a lot of people do that. They don't get equipped. They run off and yeah, God's called me to this. Run off. They're not equipped. Do something and they do it badly. Yeah? Now, that not only puts over the, the people that they've talked to, but it does discourage the person. Now, God may have called them to that. I'm not disputing that. But equip yourself first before you go out. His church is a living organism. Don't be jealous of other roles of the body or think some less important. Believe me, being a preacher sometimes isn't the joy you think it is. I have to pray, I have to sacrifice a lot of stuff to make sure I'm in the will of God. So being up the front is a privilege. I'm glad that God has called me to do it. He's equipped me to do it. But there are challenges to that church. So don't be jealous of what you see other people doing. Yeah? So question, should church, should God's church be filled with people who are like-minded? Quick question. Let's do a poll. Who, who's, who says yes? Should be filled with like-minded people? Yeah, put your hands up. I can't see if you don't put your hands up. Right, who says no? No one's going to say no. It's true. Right, I'll put my two penneth in there I agree with the people that said yes. All I would say is I'll say yes and no. I believe we should be like-minded in our belief of who Jesus is, how we follow him, and being obedient to him. But that doesn't mean we all have the same walk with him. Or we're going to be like-minded in everything that we do for him. Let's be realistic, church. God has called many parts and many different people. So how we go about things may be different. We may clash. Yes, church, we may clash. You may have a clash with me at some point. Talk to the wife. (laughs) We all have different giftings and abilities. We will not all be the same in how we fulfill what God calls us into. So if you're blessed with patience, be patient with those who are not so patient. If you're blessed with mercy, be merciful with those who are not. And with those who are not as wise or as knowledgeable as you, try and help them receive godly knowledge and wisdom through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we may all work together and build one another up for his kingdom and for the glory of God. God's church, I believe, should reflect the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see all three at work in his church. We see God's word preached. Jesus is God's word. And he was sent from the Father. We see the moving of the Holy Spirit in all of us, inspiring us, challenging us, convicting us, all to reflect and to highlight the glory of God. So his church needs to be completely reliant on him alone for all its strength, its provision, its wisdom and guidance. And his church should reflect a community of worshippers where we praise God, give thanksgiving and lift up prayers for others. His church will want to and need to worship him as much as they need ear to breathe. God has made us to worship him although he does not force us to worship him. It's all about being in the presence of God. It's your natural response to experiencing his wonderful grace, mercies and the love that we feel from him. We see in the Bible 
In the presence of God, the angels bow down and worship. And for all, because that's all they can do in his presence. I really like that the song that stated that the saints and the angels bow before him. God's church needs to be humble and allow itself to be cleansed by him. God will accept us as we are, but he expects us to become more like him. Let me just clarify about the cleansing part there. When you receive salvation, your heart, everything is cleansed. But you still need God to keep cleaning you. Because the world will chuck things at you. And you've got to constantly keep cleaning. Yeah? Quote from the Version Bible plan, 21 days in the Gospel of John. God accepts you as you are, but he won't leave you. I would have said as you are, but he says that way. He expects us to take action and to work with him to change us so we can benefit more from what God has for us and wants us to do for him out of our love for him. God's church has to be honest because God is honest. God is good and there is no darkness in him. So we must all follow that example and always be honest, open and real. God is always real with us. He does not hold things back. He's always open with us and quite clear about what he expects And when we don't meet the expectation, what will happen as a result? He makes us clear of the actions and the consequences of all things, and we can't take for granted that we don't know. He shows us and teaches us all things. And if you truly look at what the Bible says and uses in the main characters that God significantly used, they were all very real. They were real with God, and God was real with them. So why do we believe that as his church... We cannot be real with one another or real with God. The thing he wants us to be is real and he wants us to be open. But sometimes due to where we are with our walk with him, even though he is talking to us, we don't know or hear he is talking to us. A quote from A.W. Tozer. It is better to have a little church that is real than a big church which is artificial. So we cannot expect God to move powerfully in us if we are not open and real with him and with one another. God's church serves. It serves him first, then the community of saints, the kingdom, and the community around it. In all things, we must show that we are serving, just as Jesus came to earth not to be the master, but to be the servant and to serve others. We must follow his example and serve in whatever capacity we can. That's not to say that God will not raise up leaders, but even leaders are serving the people they lead and God himself. So we must develop the attitude, the motivation that we are to serve. If we are going to be God's church, we are to serve him in whatever way we can. His church reflects stewardship. We know Pastor David's um, going into more detail about this. I'm only touching on this today. John 13 from verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Jesus served out of love. We as God's church must also serve out of the love of Jesus, not only for us, but for others. God commands us to cleanse one another, so we must be careful to confess, firstly to God, but also to confess to one another. But be sensible, church. You need to confess to someone who is mature and is able to support you in what you are confessing. From personal testimony, all I'll say is, many times I've fought with something in my my spirit and I'm thinking, I don't want to say this to anyone else, Lord. Why can't I just say it to you? But believe me, church, when you confess it to someone that you trust, it's like it, it never happened. You get such peace and it just moves away. You think, why didn't I do that before? But again, I will stress, make sure it's with someone who's mature that you trust to then unload your burdens. John 13, 20 speaks about the Trinity and Jesus. And it says that when we accept his precious gift of salvation, Jesus will send the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, we begin life in Jesus and the Father accepts us. He has already created us in his image, but he goes beyond that and gives us a part of himself to dwell in us. John 13 from verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This shows us how we should love and serve one another. Jesus laid down everything for his church. We need to lay down our lives and issues for the good of his church and the good of others. When we run away from God's church, we run away from Jesus. Human nature always runs away from what is good for it. Isn't that true, church? Even ourselves, we do it. If you stay away from Jesus, your resistance to sin and the devil's works will be low or even non-existent. Remember, we're in a fight. We sung it just today. If you haven't got the armour, which David's preached on as well, Pastor David's preached on, if you're not staying connected to the source... You're going to be tired, you're going to be weary, you're going to be downtrodden, you're going to be like, 
the enemy's going to pick you off quickly. You'd be like that seed that the sower sowed and it was on hard ground. God's church reflects his family. The eternal and righteous triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came down from heaven to lift us up to a level where we can be a part of his family. Mark 3 verse 20. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. If you go back a few verses, Jesus was just selected the 12 apostles. He'd been praying, he selected them. Now he doesn't go out into the world with his 12 apostles to start preaching the good news. He goes back home for a meal. You notice that? Read the scripture. He goes back home. He's just appointed 12 apostles ready to preach. They've been listening to his preaching. You would think, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got people to save. Let's get out there and save people. No. Jesus says, yes, that's done. Let me go home and have a meal. He's being practical. Don't you think that's practical? Yes. If you're hungry, you go home. You get something to eat. <coughs> but most of all, it shows he's family-oriented. He wants to go home because back in those days, when you have a meal, you sit down with your family. You catch up on the day. Maybe some of you do that now when you're around your table with your family. You catch up. You have a chat. What did you do today? Everything was very communal. It just shows that Jesus didn't put ministry before his family. He made sure his family knew he was still there for him. God's church reflects obedience to Christ. His church reflects his truth, his word, and his will. When we acknowledge and get our heads around the greatness and immensity of God, the troubles and the people of this world pale into insignificance. God warns us many times in the Bible to fear and love him, not this world. His church reflects the fear of the Lord. Now, we're not scared of God, but we should be. But this is about his reverence our reverence to him, our obedience to him, our devotion to the one true and faithful God. He does as he has promised, and we are strengthened and reassured by this. Without it, our faith will be pointless and worthless. John 17 verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So what is the purpose of his church? His church should reflect the blessings of God. He created us for a purpose, and through this we are blessed, and we bless others through his blessing. And we are tasked to fulfill the apostolic mission began by Jesus, to show the world his salvation. He shows Jesus, it shows Jesus, and the kingdom of God to others. His body fulfills the purposes of God on earth, And will bring glory to God for all eternity. His church is the communion of the saints. Past, present and future. Church is wherever the saints meet. Such as in small groups. Not just in a Sunday service. So what is a saint? For me a saint is a believer in Christ. In whom Christ dwells. His church expresses his love to a fallen world. It expresses this love to those within the body and this love overflows to those who need to share in God's love. But God's love is so vast, no one person or group could ever hold it. 
Even the powers of this world cannot stop Jesus expressing God's complete, all-encompassing love for us on the cross. His love spans all eternity and all generations. You know what, church? The more I walk with Jesus, the more I realise I can't, but Jesus can, does, and will. God's church intercedes for others and the world, and it's where we can see miracles and celebrate answered prayer. And his church helps us keep on course with him. God does not need us to fulfill his purposes, but he does want us to be involved in his purposes. He much prefers when we cooperate with him, and he takes pleasure in our involvement and our trust in him. I believe one of God's goals for his church is to help him restore people back to him through repentance and correction, not to alienate or turn people away from God. We as his church must be careful, biblical, and wise in how we treat one another and those God brings across our paths. Let me stress, this is not just about being in church. This is about how you live outside of church, in your workplace, everything that you do. One way we can do this is by pointing people back to the word of God and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to him. Again, Carmela testified to that. She was struggling. She was trying to do it in her own strength. She prayed. God supplied. We also need to live a life that reflects the empowerment of the Holy Spirit according to the principles Jesus taught and lived himself. A life that showed the love, grace and mercy of God and that pleases him. Within God's church, we can be watered and refreshed if we are weary. The Bible often equates water to the spirit, the word of God, and worship. These are some of the means to ensure we remain spiritually hydrated. Do you know? I'm going to take a sip of water. His church helps his children grow and mature. She provides discipleship, which includes teaching and challenging, a place of nurture but also of challenge, as growth will require change, some welcome and some not. Again, I'll, I'll quickly stop here. Um, sometimes I'm just hurt sometimes by we help someone and build them up and then one little thing offends them. And rather than come to us and talk to us, they leave. We're a family. You fall out. If I fall out with my wife, I try and make up. Because I don't want to sit with one eye open at the end of the night. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, I've made a commitment to her. Yeah? I've made a commitment. I want to make it up. I want to live life to the full. Can't live life with Shane David with me. Same with church. You guys can't live life without the church. You need the church. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get it later on for my wife. I'll take, take that risk. Be aware, God's going to bring you into situations bigger than yourself. Because he's going to be there to help you. And others can see him when you overcome those challenges. He's big enough for any situation we encounter. Why is God's church so important to Jesus? Jesus is a gift to his church. Christ loves the church and gave his life for us. The church has life through his indwelling in us. 
Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus' blood redeemed and sanctified his church. He gave his life for her and sustains her and builds her up to to be sanctified and cleansed to prepare her to live with the triune God. Triune just means trinity. It's a short word for Holy Trinity. And we rejoice and we will praise the name of Jesus for what he has done, is doing, and is about to do. Acts 20 verse 28. Therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. His church is an expression of his love. It's not by human will we are called into his church, but by his will and grace towards us. And his grace alone. Ephesians 4 from verse 15. But speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example who is the head, Christ. For him the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together, by what every joint supplies, when each part is working correctly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. God's church belongs to him and cannot exist without him. We are his body, one body, not many. Churches should not compete with one another, but complement and work with one another. Matthew 28, verse 18. Let me just come back to that last statement. If a church is being unbiblical, then we're not going there. Yeah? It's the biblical, spirit-filled churches that we will complement and work with. But if you're blatantly serving the enemy, nah. Just, just put the reality check on that one, just in case. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, or and on every occasion, even to the end of it. Jesus has all authority over his creation, but he is also the head and authority of the church. His body, so the church is under the headship of Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills and completes all things in all believers. Church is the bride of Christ. Revelations 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us give him glory and honour, for the marriage of the Lamb has come at last, and his bride, the redeemed, has prepared herself. That's why I made that statement about, if I'm talking about the church, I will sometimes say she, because we are the bride. Yeah? Those who are part of God's church have a responsibility to preach the gospel and spread it. A quote from Charles Spurgeon, It is the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Through the Holy Spirit, we draw people to be Jesus' disciples 
helping them develop in their own relationship with him so they can disciple others. Colossians 1 verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. As Christ is the head of his church, we only become a true part of the body of Christ when we truly make Jesus the head of all of our being, mind, body and soul. God's church is the temple of the Holy Trinity. A temple represents the dwelling place of God. As his spirit now lives in us, we are the temple, not a building. A quote from theologian Jonathan Black. The church is built by Christ into Christ and filled by Christ with his spirit so that it is a dwelling place for the true and living God. The church should be a revelation of Christ. If people can see Christ through us and in us, we hope they'll be able to see and then experience the love of God according to his will and purposes. His church believes in Jesus. It's not enough to believe Jesus existed to be saved. Historical evidence already confirms this. No faith is required in that. We must believe as Thomas did that Jesus is as real as you are here today. For me, we have to move from believing to knowing he is real. Yeah? Now, what is real? What is real? Would you say? You are? How do I know you're real? How do I know you're real? Yeah? I can touch it, can't I? I can talk to you. I can see you. I know you're real. Now, if I'm doing this, hello, Barbara. You're, you're looking well today. Is that real? No. But it might be real to me. Yeah? Just because we don't see Jesus doesn't mean he's not real. He is so real. He is so real. Jesus must be as real to you as Barbara is to me. But another essential ingredient to our belief is that we believe he is the son of God. That he came to earth as a man still fully God, died for us, saved us from our sins, and now reigns at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. Once we believe in him, we must willingly receive him as Lord Saviour. He has to be the head. We need to give our lives to follow him and to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords from that point onwards. No longer living for ourselves, but living for him till he returns in his full glory or we return back to him. His church reflects that Jesus is the answer to every question every fear and every need. Whatever the question is, Jesus is the answer. Amen. When I was away at the moment, every time there was a question that the lecturer asked, someone shouted, Jesus is the answer. Yeah, we were joking at the time, but he is. There's a truth in that. Jesus is the answer. Some points to finish on. Flow. Ah, flow. Flob. Flob. Yes. Follow. Follow Jesus. That is what the disciples did. Jesus called them, they followed. Listen. We need to listen to his instructions, his will and his directions. Obey. Once you've listened, you need to obey what God is instructing you because he knows better than you. And believe. We need to believe in Jesus completely. And once we do, we need to encourage others in their belief of him. 
So in summary, God's church reflects Jesus. It is a witness to him and shows his love. It's, the church is Holy Spirit filled and is kingdom focused. It consists of his family, a community of saints, and it reflects servanthood, but it also cultivates new life. It's fruitful, and we are God's army of light in a dark world. Would you like to be a part of God's church? It starts with you. Allow Jesus to change you and use you and fill you, and together we will see his glory. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you for the grace that called me, the mercies that saved me, and the love that transformed me in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that people hear your word. I pray that they receive it as it was intended to encourage, strengthen, challenge. Your word does all three. But you are the source. You are always the source. Church is not about the individual. It's about Jesus. And it's all about love as well. Jesus loved us so much, he hanged on a cross for us. We can endure because he endured. So by your grace and mercy, Father, let your will be done. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.